0: I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Have the sun peaked too early and a few other important WNBA topics pertaining to the storm and the Chicago sky? If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month. You can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. Rachel, the other night we had a battle of some some flaming hot teams right now. The sky and the sun to... And I was going to try and make a pun, but I won't even try it. Um, there's, there's, You know there's some good options there. Um, but now, I, I, you know, I, I just want to put this preface out there because I think a lot of people are going to give me flack for even talking about this or even saying, you know, the topic of the show, has the sun set on the sun um, or have they peaked too early? The reason I bring this up and something that we've talked about a lot over the years, this team has gotten to a point where they have started to show us that they have checked off all the boxes possible for you know regular season achievements. Yes, they haven't they, they weren't the the number one or number two seed these past two years, and at points it really looked like they could be. Um, but I think the biggest question for them is consistency and consistency. Can they get something done in the playoffs? So for me, the only thing I can get from them during the regular season is consistency, and I didn't see consistency last you know the other night. Free throw shooting less than sixty percent, sixteen turnovers. I mean, not to put not to throw some shade at the sky, but like that's okay if, it, if that's a okay number for the sky. That's not Connecticut Sun basketball. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just I'm distraught because this is a team that I con- consistently have high hopes for, and I feel like the uh, the consistency isn't there on that end.
1: Well, I'm gonna be one of those people that gives you flack for the title of the show and for even, <laughs> for even feeling distraught um because I think until you know we see like a true rough patch or something, if you will, or a, you know the the ship takes a massive turn of events and they just start playing terrible. you know i I just think that you know through the course of a season, you you have bumps in the road. through the course of a season, you have games where, the ball just isn't dropping and you know you play opponents and they're hitting everything and the chicago sky just came out from the jump and they're shooting like 70% in the first half and and it wasn't an evenly matched second half actually connecticut beat chicago in the second half but it was really kind of that second quarter where connecticut laid an egg i mean they were they were just taking they were taking bad shots they 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 turned they turned the ball over way too much Chicago shooting, you know, seventy percent, and it, you know, you 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 just have those games where nothing's going your way. You 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 don't have the energy. You may the moment you maybe get something going a little bit, you know, you get a dagger where you, you turn the ball over and Courtney Vandersloot hits a buzzer beater before halftime. I mean, it was just kind of not their night. Um, so for me, as I as I'm as I'm as, as I was watching that game, you know, you definitely. Felt for Connecticut because it was like, good God, you know, they, it was just, it was just, it was just a bad night. Um, now, credit to Chicago, they played extremely well. They, you know, they're they're playing very well right now. We'll get into that here in a minute. But I'm not, I'm not concerned about Connecticut. You know, they're not going to come into this season and win every single game. It's just not going to happen. Um, and every team is going to have that game where they're playing somebody and that, that team's just playing completely out of their, you know, what. So I'm not nervous. I'm not. Freaking out by any stretch. I just think if you're Connecticut, you know, you're Kurt Miller and her staff. You know, their, his staff. You have to just kind of, you know, learn from it and ha- have a short memory and get ready for this next one. And and honestly, the next question is going to be, all right, well, how does Connecticut respond from this? You know, and and that's that's kind of exactly. what I'm looking at.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that that's the the follow up to me being concerned. It's not like I'm saying you know, start bailing the water out of the boat right now and then let's get let's get on the the tender. I'm saying, all right, now let's look what's going to happen. This raises my eyebrows. Now, next game, if they can't respond and come back and really show them, you know, what's going down, that's when I start to go, okay, this is concerning. Obviously, anytime you have Strickland going 0 for 5 and 0 for 3 from deep, scoring zero points, and you have all of your starters in the the negative, in the plus minus, and I'm talking about negatives in double digits, that's going to be concerning, and I think, in all honesty, if you're talking about the Connecticut Sun, it has to be like a a, a blip on the radar of like that's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, but it, obviously, it does happen, but it's such a rarity. Um, I agree with that. I, I just, you know me, you know, I, I I'm I get very concerned when you have a powerhouse like Connecticut who just lays an egg.
1: Yeah, you know, and I don't even know. I don't even know if you can call this type of game laying an egg. I mean, I guess you could. You know, just looking at numbers, I think you, you they laid a they laid an egg in the second quarter, um, and and it was just jump shot after jump shot after jump shot, and and I just thought it was bad bad shot selection. Um, Chicago did a great job of, of forcing them into turnovers and, and really capitalizing on those, you know. It, you know, I, I mean, I guess you could call it laying an egg. And like I said, I'm not concerned because every team in the in the WNBA is going to have that type of game. We've seen a couple of them where, you know, the Aces came out shooting 75%. Just You know, that's just an unrealistic um, – percentage you know Chicago's not going to shoot like this every single night you know it's just not it's just not it's not going to happen <laughs> you know it, 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 I did I mean maybe but that would be incredible it'd be record-setting for men and women's basketball so um I again I, I'm just not too I'm not too concerned about it um I think the bigger question mark as you already said is moving forward now you know is this is this going to turn into a, a rough patch or is this just going to be a game that was like oh my god that was just a game where nothing went our way
0: yeah and you know this well uh, all right well we'll pertain from freaking out too much but I do want to remind fans much to the chagrin uh just that you know this did happen last year where this team started off red hot had a little a little skid in the middle of the season and they did recover well but then they you know kind of faltered in the playoffs so i'm just worried because it seems to me like over the past few seasons Connecticut's been reading the same story and I'd like them to add a new chapter, a chapter that has a ring. Um, Let's move on to the other team uh, in that ridiculous game, the Chicago Sky, who have just been like straight fire recently. I mean, we, I remember we were talking about early on in the season, like three, four games in this team is horrible. This team can't play defense. I remember I mean, speaking to Coach Wade after a game, asking him what he liked so far from the season from his defense, and he gave me that, um, uh, what is it, that uh, that M- NBA player, who uh, James Harden, the like, huh, and walk away, like, nah, there was nothing. And Rachel, what have you seen, is it as simple as just like turning on the defensive effort, or, or what has been going on with this team? This team is, is juiced I think, up.
1: I think we've all, we all can agree that Chicago's very talented. It's a roster that has, you know, veteran veteran players, and there's a lot of really fun, exciting kind of younger players, and um, you know, we talk a lot about. I think we're now getting into the part of the season where we can no longer really make the argument of, oh, you know, they're they're just they're gelling, they're figuring it out. Like like you know, we're not in the first, you know, third of the season anymore. And I think um, Chicago is. We're seeing kind of the byproduct of what they did go through those first few games of, of gelling as a team, getting comfortable as a team, getting into that new system. And now they're settling into it. And they've bought into the defensive end of the floor. They were completely physical. Um, and and they, they just swarmed Connecticut in the paint, um, made, made everything extremely difficult for them. And I I broke down some numbers in, in an article I wrote recently about Chicago because I really wanted to see what was the difference. Um, and one of the biggest ones has been the turnover numbers. You know, they went from turning the ball over – 20 times a game, you know, maybe around there to, to about, you know, 13 to 14, which is a huge, huge difference. Um, and, and that, I mean, that that's just a massive jump in terms of their ability to take take care of the basketball. But um, we know this is a team that can score, especially in bunches. Um, you know, a lot of different people can step up and score at any given time. So I don't necessarily think the offensive end of the floor is a huge problem. It does become a problem when you're not, um, taking care of the basketball and you're not allowing yourself to get in sort of any offensive rhythm. Uh, but it is, it really comes down to that defensive end of the floor. I mean, to start the season, teams were averaging, you know, like 80, 90 points a game. You know, they, they just, they couldn't get stops. Well then, you know, they, they, they went from giving up about 81, 82 points a game to about 70. And then even in the last two, you know, to the fever, they gave up 76 to Connecticut, they gave up 75. So that number's gone up a little bit. Like they're giving up about, um, I think it's 72, maybe 73, uh, just in these last like six games. Um, And so that's the difference is the defensive end of the floor. They've got so many uh, weapons defensively, the athleticism, and and there's some size and um, they're they're allowing their defense to fuel their offense. And that's the scary part because the offensive – output is there, especially when you've got Allie Quigley hitting shots and, and they're clicking they're taking care of the basketball. You've got anyone at any given point that can step up. Um, but defensively, that's, that's what, that's the difference maker for this team, their ability to defend and rebound and finish plays from that aspect.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I was shocked you hadn't brought up rebounding yet knowing, well, uh, <laughs> knowing you're, you're playing past. Cause this team has been like literally, they, I talk about flipping a switch. I was just looking at skimming the stats from the past few games versus the first few games, and it is astonishing how much better they are rebounding over this last stretch of games. I
1: I, I group rebounding in there with defense, you know, because you can play a great possession of defense, but if you don't finish it with a rebound – it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So they're, they're doing a lot better job on the glass. Uh, They've, they've out rebounded their opponents, I think, in almost every single game, uh, these last six games, kind of what I'm referencing in terms of just being a difference maker. Um, And, you know, Connecticut is a, is a great rebounding team, you know, so to, to be able to, you know, do a, do a job on them is, is big. And so it, it's the defense and it's the rebounding that we're seeing from Chicago. And I, I'm not, I'm not really surprised. I mean, I think we all know the potential this team had if they could just take care of the ball, if they could defend better. That that's been the biggest question mark: their ability to defend. We have not seen a Chicago team defend like this in a very, very long time.
0: And and uh, the thing is, with the length and speed of this team, when they are clicking on defense, it they move so quickly in transition. I mean, it's it's hyper speed, and at times it was. It was shocking to me because I think a lot of us think of, you know, Seattle and Connecticut as two of the fast-paced teams in this league. And definitely the Sky are in that conversation also. But to see the Sky just, you know, exhausting Connecticut at times with how fast they were pushing the pace was extremely impressive. I, I mean, you got to give props uh, and and wonder if – uh James Wade is going to bring home. Do they do a monthly uh, coach of the month or whatever? I, th- I, I feel don't like think they do, so, but I don't know. Um,
1: I I'm most excited not to interrupt you too much, but um, I, I'm I'm really excited oh, about no. you know this Wednesday. Um, they're hosting the Mystics, and that's that's going to be a true test, you know, of your deep
0: have not beaten Washington since the Elena Deladon trade, right?
1: And that that's oh, that's a, that's a very interesting stat. Last time they matched matched up was. Um, earlier this month and Washington just kind of routed him you know close to about 20 points. Washington scored over a hundred. so this is gonna be like the ultimate test, you know, with Washington being such a powerhouse offensively um, can can they, can they get those stops? Can they slow down this Washington offense? And honestly, these, these are two really high-octane offenses, um, and we've talked a lot about their offenses, but these are two teams that are defending really well right now too, which has been the difference maker for Washington and and the Sky in the success they've had. They're, they're defending better. Both teams are. So I'm really excited for Wednesday in that matchup.
0: I want to ask you something. We had Steph Dolson on the uh, the show last year, and we talked to her about kind of – all right, this is your second season. Now we're in her third season of being in Chicago. Um, kind of what's the feel of when you go to D.C. or you play against D.C.? Is there that rivalry? And she she was pretty blunt about it and said, yeah, maybe the first game. But after that, we kind of move on. We're professionals. She's not the only player who was affected uh, by that trade, by the moving of uh, one of the best players in the league or in the world, as you so eloquently put it. Commonly <laughs> My question to you is, do you think that you know ignoring the shellacking that chicago chicago got in dc uh last month or earlier this month do you think there's an added motivation for chicago that dc just doesn't have in this game or is that more of a fan thing
1: i'm sure there there is um especially for some of those veteran players you know you've got you've got players that you know are are, there, there's friendships there you know there, there's history there there's probably a sense of you know all sorts of different emotions that come into play so i'm sure for the sky when i talk about those veteran players who did play with elena uh, there is added motivation um and i'm sure I, I would even speak for elena and say there's there's motivation for her too you know i mean just as a competitor, innately not not necessarily in a negative way with anyone, um, but I definitely think you know you as a competitor, you're always looking for added motivation, um, other other storylines, or you know things that give you a chip on your shoulder that kind of give you that extra fire night in and night out. And and and, and there's so many there's so many different storylines within this league in general of you know, players being trade, traded or th- people getting waived, picked up by the team. So, I mean, I think you constantly have those storylines that maybe we don't talk about a lot. Uh, but this is definitely a big one, having Chicago, you know, host Elena uh, back there. And I, I think, you know, if I'm Chicago, I I, I'm, I have a little more more motivation, you know, just to.
0: Oh, yeah. Kind of, even even, you know, some people in front office roles or, yeah. or in other positions yeah. in, the, in the team. Well, you know? I think
1: I think. You know, th- these are two teams in the top three um, kind of vying for Connecticut. Chicago has so much confidence um, at this point, which is fun to see. And, and they're playing loose. They're excited. I think, you know, they, they, they really they set it in during that game that, you know, they, they before that Connecticut game, Coach Wade went into the locker room and said, hey, you know, we're, we're better than this team. Um, and they all bought into that. They agree with that. They understand that. I think this, we're seeing a Sky team that's sitting here going, you know, we have the potential to beat anyone any given night in this league, but we understand we can be beaten any any given night. Um, but we we know we have the talent. We know we have the firepower. And so, you know, Connecticut's going to get everybody's best shot. You know, they're right now they're at the top of the standings, but my, Washington should as well. And um now you add in you know the fact that they're ahead of Chicago in the standings you have Elena Deladon uh they're playing in Chicago it's it's going to be interesting I, i'm definitely curious to see you know a- after you've routed the, the, the best team in the league how do you respond then playing the second best team in the league if, if they can beat washington uh turn around and beat them again and defend and and you know i don't know if you can necessarily <laughs> limit elena deladon in in certain ways but you know make a big statement in that game, I think then you really, really can get serious about talking about Chicago and their potential because um, they're they're drinking the Kool Aid right now. Every player, every player, every member of that team believes that they've got the potential to to beat anybody, and they believe they're better than everybody. And when a team is feeling like that, that that's a dangerous combination.
0: Oh, it's extremely dangerous, and I mean, I'm excited to see who they match up against, Elena, but also I'm excited to see, well. <laughs> There's a lot I'm excited to see, but um, it should be a good game. But I will say, you know, if the sky can pull off a victory in this one, when it comes uh, next week on Monday or on uh, Tuesday, depending when when we get it out for the, the wind side or power rankings, you have to assume this team's, in, you know, top one, if they, if they top one or two. If, if they can pull off a win against the top two teams in the league at that given moment, that's got to be like a, a notice. Put the rest of the league on notice. Hey, we're coming for you. We're the top dogs now, which is a very wild thought to think after we looked at this team. You know, three games into the season, it
1: is. But you know, this—it's it's like we're talking about Connecticut. Every team is going to hit a lull or a patch or a rough spot. You know, sh- Chicago. We know their potential, um, but I'm not bought into like this powerhouse like like mindset quite yet. You know, like I—I got to see more. I have to see consistency with it. I, I want to really see them go through and. And and really, um, be be dominant both on both ends of the basketball for for a longer amount of time. And and the same and that's the same thing with like Connecticut. Like we don't have a team in this league this year that's just so such a powerhouse. Like last year, Seattle was clearly the most dominant team in the league. This year, you know you you're you're, you're going to see ebbs and flows. You're, it's going to be a roller coaster for some of these teams, and everybody is going to hit. Hit points where it gets ugly. They're gonna have rough games. they its its all about how do you respond. And um, I, I'm always preaching about that. Sometimes I feel like I talk too much about, um, you know, just the just the course of a season and and what each team kind of goes through. Um, and, and again, it all comes down to their ability to peak come playoff time um, and their positioning, whether they can get a double buy or uh, whatever that may be. But um, it's—it's got to be all about getting better for each of these teams and understanding that, like, okay, if you do. Take one to the face, like Connecticut did over the weekend. How do you respond? So, as I'm rambling, I'm, I'm thinking about you know all three of these teams in particular. When it comes to Chicago, um, I'm not ready to kind of start talking about them being better than Connecticut or Washington because I just I want to see more. Does that does that make sense? Do you agree with? Me?
0: No, no, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you on that. And you know, if we talk about this all the time, I'm not a betting man, but if I was. I don't, You know, best of five, I'm putting my money on the sun over sure. the sky. My biggest question, in all honesty, when it comes to the sun is I don't trust them on a winner take all game. The sky, that's a team. that's, you know, we, Rachel, you've talked about dangerous teams before. I think the sky are a pretty a pretty dangerous team because they have that element of surprise because they have that element of, you know, not necessarily that the other team. I think we've got enough tape on them beating good teams that it's mm-hmm. no longer that you just assume it's a right. cakewalk. But they're definitely good enough, you know, that they could surprise you, like you said, on any given night and beat any Mm -hmm. team.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's probably less of a surprise now. You know, the last last week, I mean, even even with the loss to Indiana, like like, okay, if they win that game and they're on like a six game winning streak, then I'm super hyped up. But you go and you lose to Indiana, which is just nothing personal to the fever because the fever have have obviously they're they're a lot better and and they're they're competing and and they're a dangerous team. Every team in this league is dangerous, let's be honest. But had Chicago not dropped that one, you know, then then I'm probably a little more excited than what I'm seeing right now. I just know this team has the talent and the potential to win it all. It's just a matter of, you know, being consistent with it. And, and again, I, I just, that, that loss to Indiana, you're kind of just like, damn, that, that kind of took the wind out of my sails with the Chicago hype. Um, but then, but then talk about their ability to respond to, to lose to Indiana at home. And then you go, go back two days later and you beat the best team in the league, their ability to respond from that is, is revealing. And and that shows a lot about their character. Um, and, and honestly, that, that, if anything else, is something that we should definitely be taking note of is how they responded from their loss to Indiana. Um, now the question is, you're feeling really good about yourself. You just routed the best team in the league. Where's that motivation when it comes to Washington? You know, are you able to keep that going, or how are you going to respond when you're not shooting, you know, 60, 70 percent? How do you respond when Washington jumps out on you? You know. Uh, you know, 10 points in the first half. You know, I, I want to see kind of more of that fight uh, when things aren't necessarily all going your way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you. And honestly, like hearing you talk about, like, how do you keep that motivation? It reminded me of something I wanted to bring up when we were talking about the sun, of kind of, you know, they've hit all those lists that, that I talked about. But how do you keep that motivation during the regular season when you've already shown us that you guys for any given stretch of the season can be a top team? So that, that's kind of, you know, uh, it also, you know, not necessarily that it's a, a worrisome right. thing, but something that definitely peeks into my mind. Um, and as the season goes on, kind of gets louder and louder. Something I really wanted to talk about. And first of all, before I say this next thing, shout out to James Wade, because he might be pulling uh, the Nikki here, running away first year coach of the year award. I think he's kind of the front runner right now. I got to say, I, just that's
1: saying. A very good point.
0: I mean, props to these, these first year coaches being able to hit the ground running. A lot of respect I, for that.
1: I agree.
0: Let's talk about Mercedes Russell because she's a player who I feel like is arguably running away with this most improved player award because she goes from, you know, playing in a measly 24 games, not a measly 24 games, but 24 games, not starting anything last year, being cut in training camp in New York, signing in Seattle, you know, really finding her own way on this roster. And now this season she started seven of 11 she had a career-high 15-point game a little bit back against the top team, Washington. All right, Her size gives the Storm a chance to really do some interesting lineups and be able to still use Natasha Howard in a much more flex five role or a flex four role than we, at least I, thought they were going to be able to do going into this season, and I think she's been a huge deal. We talked about Jordan Canada. We've talked about Jewel Lloyd. We've talked about Natasha Howard and Alicia Clark. But I mean, she's a player who's also starting on this team that's getting all this attention, but she's not getting any attention.
1: Well, and good for you for bringing this up because she does deserve some attention. Um, you know, with Seattle battling the things, all they're you know they're battling and, and injuries and all that. You know, you 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 have these unfortunate circumstances, but the silver lining in a lot of it is you know it gives an opportunity for somebody to really step up, and she has talk about step up, I mean, and talk about a transformation of somebody from their first year to their second year, you know, went from playing five minutes a game to 25 minutes a game, you know, which is just incredible. And it, it's a, it's a testament to, you know, like there's big shoes to fill, but with Seattle, we were a little bit uncertain as to what, what did that look like? Who was going to kind of fill those roles as a collective unit? And Mercedes Russell has grabbed this opportunity and, and taken it by the horns and she's doing just a fantastic job, like you said. I mean, I, I, I just think she's been really effective. She's been really, you know, pretty consistent. She doesn't always have to score because you've got so many scoring threats still on Seattle, um, even with Canada out and things like that. But uh, 6'6", like you said, she brings so much um, in terms of matchups and um, an ability to play with Howard um, and, and defending and just, just length. Um, and she, She's, I don't know, I, I just agree with you. I think she's done a really great job. Um, we do need to kind of continue to talk about these players that are getting the opportunity to step up in these roles um, and are really thriving in them. And she's one of them for sure.
0: Yeah. So snaps, claps, all that for her. (laughs) She's been crushing it. Um, And yeah, I, I I love, I I just love seeing that matchup because she really, you can tell she takes it as a challenge Mm -hmm. whenever she's and she's going like Guys, she's going up against some of the greatest Absolutely. bigs to ever play in this league. You know what I mean? Like, she's going up against Sylvia. She's going up against Candice. She's going up against uh, Griner. Like, these are not easy matchups either.
1: And, and and this is a player that, like, we didn't talk about last year. You know, and, and many questioned, like, where would she fall in the line of rosters? And, and so, for, for still, in some ways, because she got so few minutes last year you know she's still very much a rookie very very young in her experience in this league you have to give her credit for what she's doing you really do all
0: right moving on to well it it would be the elephant in the room but it missed its connecting flight so it's still not here um let's talk briefly briefly because this could go on for a while and and probably get us in some trouble but the travel issues you know last year Rachel, I heard you, you were uh, shout out to Rachel She was on a ESPN radio show this afternoon talking about the Las Vegas aces and it got brought up. This team, Las Vegas aces missed the playoffs last year in part to, you know, I would argue that a lot of people like to say, Oh, they missed the playoffs cause they had to forfeit that game. They were facing a championship, a team that went to the finals. So it's not a, not a cakewalk. Um, but that being said, I mean, the travel issue, Got a lot of attention last year because of that, and because of a few other trips this year. I don't know how many of our listeners follow various uh, athletes on social media, but if you have, it has been horrendous this year. And I personally don't know because I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, and I think this might be outside of uh, women's basketball timeline. Uh, or his is a uh, for foray of uh, skills, but it seems to me like it's happening a lot more or I'm just naive enough to think it's been happening more and the players are giving more attention to it and realizing that they have this ability to to express this and put it out there. Do you think that's tied in with the CBA, Rachel?
1: Well, I I, I mean, these things have been going on since the, the, the league began. But now you have the, the evolution of social media to document everything, and then you have really what the Aces did last year that kind of really – it was a huge hit to them and their potential playoff run, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but what they did in making that stand draw drew so much attention to, to this. Now you could talk, you could talk with, you know, Cynthia Cooper and Cheryl swoops and, and, and all of the greats back, back in the day. I am sure they have countless stories of travel horror, horror, horror stories of travel. I mean, this is, this is something that these women have battled since the beginning of this league, you know? And, and I mean, travel is, is, a is, always can be very unpredictable and those types of things. But I really think that what the ACEs did last year made this such an important part. And now we're seeing everyone really with a magnifying glass on, you know, and you tie that into the CBA and, and with social media, now they can use their voices. They can use their platforms to bring awareness to that this is going on. And so this has become an issue that has always been around, but it's now, a really sensitive, heightened issue uh, that 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 they're making very clear. Uh, many teams are, many players are now, about the travel issues, and it's just becoming even an even greater topic.
0: Oh, I mean, it's getting ridiculous. I believe the Indiana Fever played Seattle uh, a day or two ago, depending on when you're listening to this. We're not able to get back to Indiana, so. Last I checked, they were able to fly into Atlanta, rent a bus, mm-hmm. and drive from Atlanta to Indiana.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, I I don't know about you, <laughs> but my back I I am I am at the very young age of 29, and my back kills me from taking the the quote unquote three hour bus from DC to New York. <laughs> it's five hours, but whatever. I cannot imagine what these professional athletes who put their body through the ringer night in and night out, not including I'm not even talking about training. I'm talking about game seasons and all that jazz. And then you get cramped in this tiny little airplane, probably flying spirit or something. And then you put them on a coach bus where, I mean, you can't even pay extra to get extra leg room on a coach bus.
1: You know, I I will say, because you're talking to someone who has spent probably half my life on a charter bus from college and all that. <laughs> sometimes it's nicer to be on a bus because you can get a whole row and you can put your legs up all over the seats and you can kind of spread out a little bit now that's just my silver lining in it because you know getting Th- th- this is un- we're just so unfortunate, you know, that they're not able to just hop on a plane and get back home into their own beds and rest and be prepared for this next, this next matchup against Minnesota. So it has it's definitely been a circus, you know, that <laughs> them them getting home. It's really unfortunate, um, it's even shocking to hear that they couldn't get a connection from Atlanta to Indianapolis is a little bit bizarre to me with with Atlanta being such a major hub. But um, I mean, you have to give them credit. That the, like, you, you got to do what you got to do. And this in particular, talking about how do you respond is going to be, I'm very, very curious to see how the fever, this young team handles the media scrutiny of the travel and, and all that sort of stuff. Are, are they going to, is this going to be an excuse? You know, are they going to be tired when they face Minnesota or are we going to be ready to go? Um, because.
0: Well, and also something you know, I always ask these the teams when when they're in DC. I always like to ask them, "Oh, you're on this, you're on this uh, traveling, you're on these away games, whatever." um, Blank on the word, but how does what does this do for team camaraderie? For you know, for the vibe of the team, for the family of the team, and. I think there is like obviously there's not a positive in this, but there has to be something to be said for that. You know, the team goes through such a excuse my friend shitty experience that has to bring you together. There
1: is positives in it because like like it's adversity. You know, like life life is going to throw adversity at you. We could talk about as an individual. We could talk about it as a team, and it's all about how do you respond from it. You know, and and this is I'm sure you know Pokey Chapman and her staff are going to use this as an opportunity of you know how do you respond how do you come together this is a this is as much as an ed- educational opportunity for this team and, and all that sort of stuff, as it is anything else. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah, it is unfortunate, but the adversity. How do you handle yourself when you've hit adversity? The Connecticut Sun just got punched in the face by Chicago. You weren't necessarily ready to go. Nothing was going your way. That's adversity. How do you respond? So that's kind of what we're talking about, whether it's a, a, a you know not being ready to play to a, a travel delay, things like that. Every team is going to probably face at some point some sort of really rough traveling experience this year. You know, how do you respond from that? So I I, I do see it like it, as unfortunate as it is, and I, and I hate that 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 these women have to go through this. Um, I wish that we could have private jets for everybody with the logos on the side and and be able to get back as quickly as possible. I wish and I hope and I pray one day we can have that. Um, but in the meantime, I do I think um, there you can use this as, you know, like like you said, team build, team building, camaraderie um, in the face of adversity. How do you respond? Um, and you can challenge your team in that way.
0: All I know is uh with the with the new news about like some ownership group trying to make a bid to expand the W to Toronto, yeah. Canada. Um all I can think about is Drake's private jet and maybe he can get the hookup, get that airline to give us a private jet or two and then finally my idea of having one or two league planes that just kind of bounce around the whole the whole country flying the teams and whatnot. Um could ha- could come to be i don't know you it, have
1: it, just it, the best <laughs> ideas can i tell you that
0: <laughs> <laughs> i just think it would be amazing and the the content that the league could get from a marketing standpoint of having you know two teams on you know traveling together could be ridiculous but that, that's for a different time <laughs> we believe the players of the WNBA and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us in the hard work that we do. This has been the Windsider Show.